0: Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to
1: have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's good, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back, the Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Deck NBA Draft podcast. My name's Corey Tullivan, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert. Garbage time, Gim. Albert, how are we doing today, brother?
0: What's going on, everybody? It is good to be back on the Draft dag Podcast. Not that I've gone anywhere, but um, it's good. We've got a special episode today. Our guest decided to just, I don't know what he's doing, intimidating us with this Rams hat that he's got on. He's a champion. He's feeling himself. But um, we're really excited to have um, one of the newest members of our No Ceilings family, uh so i'm ready to rock
1: yes sir we're uh we're talking about our uh our brother at no ceilings Stephen gillespie Stephen, you finally made it on the draft deck pleasure to have you
2: man it's a it's a pleasure to be here it's a dream come true i thought albert was going to be nicer to me on my first time here but you know it it is what it is i guess if we're cracking jokes already then i am really a part of the family so that that makes me feel better how y'all doing <laughs>
1: You are a part of the family. I think we're doing well and we're excited to be talking NBA draft. It's March. We got crazy upsets happening. I mean, it's what what more can you ask for, right? Uh today we're going to cover somebody who uh were they upset in the tournament, Baylor? I don't know. I it's I don't know if it was an upset, it could go either way. I think they were the favorites, but we're we're covering the uh, Baylor forward Jeremy Suhan. 18 years old, 19 on draft night, 6'9", 230 pounds with a reported 7-foot wingspan. Uh, Put up 9.2 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, 1.8 assists to 1.6 turnovers, uh, 0.7 blocks, 1.3 steals in 25 minutes per game off the bench. Modest numbers, but we'll get to that. Um, He shot 47.4% from the field, 29.6%. From three, woof, 58.9% from the free throw line. Double, woof, true shooting percentage of 54.6. He had a PER of 19.6. Does have the coolest hair in the 2022 draft, mm-hmm. by far. Not even a contest. Uh, wow. pre-season, preseason draft stock, your boy was unlisted. He, is, he was not a, a prospect coming into the draft. The December update, unlisted even in December. Not until January was he listed on the draft deck when he came in at 32. Wow. Currently, ESPN has Sohan at 16. The Athletic has him at 12. Tankathon has him at 17. Basketball News at 13. Bleacher Report at 21. The Ringer at nine. No Ceilings at 15. An average stock price of 14.7. Also currently ranked fourteen on the March draft deck update that we just released at no ceilings. So Steven, as our guest, I am going to ask you, is Jeremy Sohan's stock price too high, too low, or is it just right at 14.7?
2: I think it's just right, man. Uh, I, I look at my board. I looked at the composite big board for no ceilings, but just for myself personally, I have him right at 14. I could maybe be talked up to about 12, 11 at the absolute highest. But right now, uh, the players that I have in front of them, I feel pretty confident that they're actually either better bets long-term, like have high higher ceilings, or they're already producing at a higher level. So for me, fellas, I think
0: that he's just right centered around 14.
1: Albert, how about you?
0: Um... Yeah, I don't hate it. I think on my personal board, I have him at 16 right now, um, which is flexible. I, you know, I have guys moving all over my board at all. He could be number one tomorrow for no reason. Who knows? But um, (laughs) I I like I like. Also, I I wanted to ask you guys, is it Sohan or is it Suhan? What's the I've heard it both ways. So there's truly no way of knowing. Right. So, so
2: I heard on the Fran Fersillo's World of Basketball, he pronounced it Suhan but I've heard it like throughout the tournament that it's Sohan. So I don't know who to trust anymore.
0: Do We're we gonna just going every way. We're going to do it every
1: <laughs> way that
2: possible.
0: I I say we go rogue. Maybe this is like a Charles Barkley style type of thing. But we just call him <laughs> Sochan and just say f it. But um, no, I'll say Sochan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, funny, funny quirk guys that you have to know about Stephen Gillespie. He, he loves to make fun of my typos in our group. <laughs> and, um, it makes me laugh a lot, but, um, okay. So I think 14 is just fine. I have met 16. I feel like he might be moving up my board, a guy that I like a lot. So sitting at 14, I have no big gripes with that one.
1: And funny enough, I have him at 12 right now. Uh, the last time I did my board. I'm, wow. you know, I'm no math magician, but uh, I think if you average out all of our our rankings, we get to 14. I do think I'm going to have him higher on my next board though. so okay Part of me, part of me feels like like I, I don't think it's uh, like uh, egregious that he's at 14 by any means. I, I think it it feels right. but I do think at the end of this cycle, I think he's going to be the big riser. I, I think that uh, you know, a, a, as we break down, I think maybe I'll I'll go into deeper why I think he's going to rise. But I think this is a kid who right now is sitting late lottery ish, but I think he's going to ultimately end up inside the top ten and, and maybe even higher come draft night.
2: Albert, if I could ask a question real quick, sure. Because I want to I want to see where you guys are on him in relation to a guy like Dyson Daniel. Because I think that they play different positions, but I think they, at their respective positions, I think they bring a lot of versatility, defense, what have you. Where do you guys have him in relation to Dyson Daniel?
1: I, I have Daniels pretty close. I think he might be 13. They're, they're right there. I think they do yeah. offer a lot of similar uh, things to a basketball team. I think they obviously, like Daniels, is more guardy. And mm-hmm. Suhan's more big wingy. Um, but I, I do think the way that their games complement really, you know, I think you can put them on any team and, and they can play a role there. I think it, they offer similar things in that respect.
0: Yeah, I definitely definitely agree with that. I have um, Daniel's eleventh on my board now. Of course, of course, we did these boards before the tournament, but still, I, I actually don't mind having Daniels at eleven on my board because I love Daniel so much. Um, for me, I think at least right now, not I'm not thinking about trajectory. I think right now, I feel like Daniels is the better shooter, but that does not. Mm-hmm. Is not, that is not me saying that I think he'll always be a better shooter than Sohan, uh, but just right now I think he is. But as, as Corey mentioned before, as he's going to move Sohan up his board, I'm definitely going to move Sohan up my board too. Um, so, yeah, I think that I'm kind of around that same area. Albert, if you have $10 to invest
1: in Jeremy Sohan, Tari Eason, and Kendall Brown, how would you spend your $10?
0: Perfect. Um, uh, Let's do $6 Suhan, $3 Eason, $1 Kendall Brown. Um, People will hate me for it. I know Rucker especially will hate me for it. I'm not a big Kendall Brown guy, man. And look, the, the great part of this episode is that we got to watch a lot of Baylor. And I watched a ton of Baylor. And I... I'm sorry. I do not love Kendall Brown. And there, I have a lot of questions about Kendall Brown. I don't like his socks. I don't <laughs> like yeah, <it's laughs> one of the more
1: appealing parts of this game.
0: I don't love a lot of the stuff, a lot of his limitations. They bother me. Of course, I mean, look, he can work on things, get better. But I just, I love Sohan a lot more than I like Kendall Brown. And Rucker, if you're listening to this, I love you, but I just, that's just where I'm at right now.
1: Sohan and um, Kendall Brown are both very young uh, prospects in this draft. Steven, $10. Sohan, Eason, Brown, hit me.
2: Uh, Well, first off, I think it's cool that you brought up how they're both young. But if you watch both of them play, you would assume that Jeremy Sohan is much older than than Kendall Brown when you watch them play. But you guys have gotten to know me a a little bit over the past couple of weeks. You know where my money is going at the top. Give him a five bucks to Tari Eason. You guys know that I'm a really big fan of him. I'm giving three dollars to the Jeremy Sto- Sohan fund, or Suhan, Su And then um Kendall Brown, I'm giving two dollars. So not as not as um, hateful as as Albert is for Kendall Brown, but there's a lot of concern for me with him and his game.
1: Likewise myself, I'm actually going six dollars, Suhan, four dollars Eason. And I'm not investing in Kendall Brown. Whoa! With my ten dollars,
0: you get no money. <laughs> wow. I was I was gonna give Kendall Brown like quarters, but like I didn't want to feel that nasty. In, but did you break did a one? one?
1: Insert Insert Willy Wonka. You get nothing. Clip. Um, yeah. So, and look, I actually. It's not that I don't like kendall brown i think that his game is going to be conducive to pretty easily sliding into a, a whole bunch of different contexts because yeah. he, he doesn't need the ball he he should theoretically be a good defender he's obviously a terrific athlete also cool hair young the, the shot doesn't look broken by any means um but i i just there's so many guys in this class i'd rather bet on even if kendall brown ends up as a better player than you know a a bunch of the prospects in the class i I would just rather bet on the potential of some of the other guys and gun for guys like suhan and, and eason as those big switchy wings um and i think it's it's kind of funny that kendall brown and suhan's draft stock has kind of gone in opposite directions now brown was kind of you know treading the line of the first round when the draft cycle started um you know, he he was back in top 30, but now he's kind of trending. He he, he jumped up to like six, seven at some mm-hmm. point, like top 10 guy. And then now he's kind of settling back in at like 17, you know, outside of the lottery, um, whereas Suhan was nowhere to be found and kind of slowly crept up and, and kind of took his spot. But so I do think that's interesting, especially because they play uh, on the same team and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. similar, similar roles. And uh, Suhan coming off the bench, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately is, is one of those Eason as well, you know, came off the bench. It's, you know, you, you look at that as sometimes as a black mark, but as we've seen with guys like Scotty Barnes and Patrick Williams, you know, that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Let's get, let's hit the scouting report. Okay. I woofed a couple of times earlier. We're going to start with his shooting. So, Albert, um, with percentages of about 30% from three and sub 60% from the free throw line, is there any salvaging his jump shot?
0: Big time. I think big time. And I I, look, I I don't know where I'll end up majority, minority. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot there. Um, especially cause when you watch him operate in the mid range, you're like, Oh yeah, nice. You know, <laughs> um, I think free throws, yeah, like three attempts per game. I mean, that's not 13 a game. That's three a game. Um, he did, uh, take 2.7 threes per game, um, at 29.6%, not, not fantastic. Not fa- like the numbers suck. Right. Yeah. But as you mentioned, Corey, he came off the bench, um, you know, it, it, even what you just mentioned with him and Kendall Brown kind of playing the same role and kind of overlapping and stuff like that. I just, I just don't think it was the absolute best scenario for Sohan for his freshman year. But I mean, I test wise, I'm watching him shoot. I'm like, cool. I'm fine with it. You know, I don't know. Maybe there's like a Euro bias in my brain, like because he's from like the UK and, poland or i, don't, I actually mm-hmm. don't remember where exactly he's yeah. from but in my mind i'm like okay like cool like Lou dan could shoot and he's from the uk, UK so sure. Sohan will be fine too um, it, it's exactly yeah so i don't know I, I i liked it a lot not that i'm like in love with his jump shot please don't get me wrong it is not a perfect jump shot at all he needs a lot of work but i'm optimistic is where i'm at
1: yeah it's a work in progress he's very far away you know it's funny when i first started watching him play you know he's he's a slow burn kind of guy you know i think that when ultimately he gets drafted to a situation and you know as as like a casual fan the first thing you're gonna do is like run to youtube and and check out like the highlight tape of the guy that you drafted right and i Mm -hmm. i I don't think he's gonna have this like super flashy highlight tape with like cool off the bounce shooting (laughs) and like monster you know like just bouncy dunks, like he's not gonna have that cool ball is life type mixtape. Um, and when I watched him uh, initially, I'm like, because he was really he was getting a lot of hype at one point. Like you know how you know, these things work on draft Twitter, like one prospect will just blow up one week, and everybody's got to get right. in on the conversation. And that's how social media works, as it should. Um, and I remember I was at a Rutgers game. Uh, I think we were with uh, with Nathan from Draft Deeper. Uh, I think we were going to see. Keegan Murray and and Iowa take on Rutgers and we were watching pregame and I was like uh so what's what's the deal with this with Suhan like everybody hmm. everybody's loving this dude and um he seems fine I was like you know the shot is kind of ugly looking I was like what's going on there and it wasn't so much the jumper for me I think the jumper is fine um I mean it's not like beautiful the form or anything by any means (laughs) but i think that the free throw form for me at one point i was like oh that looks like broken broken and i think it's looked less broken as the season's gone on and Mm -hmm. i do think actually think that like the the three-point shot while he doesn't have like great touch (laughs) like there's a lot of like banked in threes it seems like uh i do think it looks okay so Mm -hmm. i and i'm encouraged that he's willing to take them because one of the things with Kendall Brown is that he's not willing to take them. You know, he's very hesitant uh, to, to let it fly. And I do like that, that Jeremy is, is kind of like, okay with, okay, I might miss this, but like, I need to be a threat shooting the ball. So the defense respects me. So maybe I can drive and attack a closeout because if you're going to put it up, defenses are, are typically going to get out and cover you, especially the college level. Like how many coaches are just like, Hey, let that guy, shoot it leave him open a guy like Suhan like he's not he's always gonna be somewhat covered and that's gonna open up the rest of his game so I like that he was willing to shoot it I think he's definitely a few years away but I I think that as we've seen like at the NBA level it's easy to I mean not easy you have to work hard at it but it's common to improve your jumper to an adequate level and I I foresee that with with Suhan uh Stephen what are your impressions of his his shooting
2: yeah, so in preparation for the show, I went back and I watched the UNC game, and that wasn't the best performance by Sohan or Brown. And I was no. in particular, I was watching the shot and I just couldn't help but thinking, like, why is this not going in? Because as you were talking about, Corey, as the season has progressed, it looks like he's cleaned up his mechanics a ton. But it's also crazy that once the shot was the the motion was cleaned up the percentage has gone down I believe at one point during the season he was upwards around like 35 percent shooting from deep so I still think that he's trying to find the most compact and efficient you know shooting motion and then obviously yeah. trying to improve the efficiency with that but I was watching that UNC game and I didn't see anything in particularly wrong with the the motion now I don't know how nerdy this is Corey you might appreciate this but When you watch his feet on a jump shot, I feel like you can tell whether or not he's going to miss before it even leaves his hand if you just look at the way that Mm -hmm. his feet are. And it's just funny to me how this seems to be the draft class where shooting efficiency just is not the name of the game for a lot of people that you're wanting to effectively (laughs) spread the floor. So you're kind of having to look harder and see what you can glean from it. And I I buy the jump shot improving because at less than 30%, it's going to be, hard for it to get worse right so um, yeah. from what we've seen earlier he seems like he's a hard worker uh, I, I typically don't bet against work ethic so I feel like Sohan's going to be able to clean it up and it's easy to say like well only if he only shoots you know 37 38 but I mean at his position what I project him to do at the next level if he can be 33 34 from deep just be serviceable I think that's you know, achievable. And I think that that would just serve him well.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I think he, he has to get to that point. And I think we've seen cases over and over again of questionable shooters who eventually do become uh, adequate shooters in the NBA level, just spotting up playing off superstars, you know, not necessarily creating off the bounds, getting their own shot, but being enough uh, a floor spacer to be a threat and Albert, as you mentioned, you know, he's shown a little bit of that self-creation where he'll, you know, he, he uses his little spin move where he drives left <laughs> and then quickly turns right. And he, he's he got that little like fade away that mm-hmm. I like.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Corey, the, spin, I love that you brought up the spin move because he loves a good spin move. I mean, watching Sohan play, I I, I randomly thought of this, like I had a friend, back in college like anytime we'd go to a new diner he would have to try a tuna melt like that was like Mm. his thing like if we're at it we're at at a new diner we've never been before we have to try a tuna melt and for me i'm always asking for either right i'm either asking for a cherry coke or a cream soda because i want i want Mm -hmm. i want that syrup you know Mm -hmm. um Suhan loves a good freaking spin. That guy loves to spin either way, (laughs) left or right. And he spams the hell out of a spin. But I think that's where I got most intrigued by him offensively, at least. Actually, no, that's a lie. Because we're going to talk about his passing. And I think the Mm. passing actually introduced interested me the most. But um, he spams the hell out of a spin. He's aggressive. I like what you said, Corey. That was one of my first things about him. I wrote that he is not shy at all. He's, he's no fear. He takes a lot of tough shots. He likes playing in the big moments. Doesn't seem like he gets rattled. Um, and I like that a lot. And so if we take confidence plus work ethic plus cleaning up mechanics, you guys talked about the footwork, all that stuff. It gets me excited about his potential, um, at least scoring wise.
1: Yeah. And, and at the college level, um, even without like the the threat of the jumper, like he has been able to attack and get to the rim whether right. it's off the spin or not. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, it's a strong kid. He's mm-hmm. big. He's big as shit uh, on the floor. And and he looks it like when, when he's like, you know, we'll talk about his defense later, but when he is like getting long and just, you, you see his full wingspan and he's like upright like, wow, like this kid, yeah. this kid's huge. Um, Steven, what do you think about his self-creation ability and, and how it'll translate to the next level?
2: I, I didn't like it at first. Sohan was a guy that I needed to grow on me throughout the season. He was one of these guys that where I put him lower than I probably should have based on the production that I was seeing from him throughout the year. And his creation was one of the biggest things that I was like, I need to see this on a consistent basis. I need to see how functional it is and how it projects to the next level. I still don't know if the way that he gets to the basket is going to translate that well because His handle in college is fine, but we know at the position that he's going to be playing at the next level, the defense is going to get stronger. They're going to be, you know, more athletically laterally. And I think that the way that he chooses to attack the basket, it's going to be, it's going to be more difficult for him, obviously. So if that's the case, the creation has to come from off ball movement. It's got to come from the pick and roll, pick and pop, and it's got to come from when there's an action happening away from him, he's got to be able to pick his spots and do it timely and effectively. So the way that we're seeing it done now, it's fine because Baylor needs him to do it and it's easy for him to do it now. I'm just curious as to how exactly that translates to the next level. But from the other areas of his game that I was just saying that I think that he needs to take to the NBA level, from what we have seen from him, I think that it's, that it's doable for him, but Baylor doesn't necessarily use him as like a as a role man or a pop guy either. So you kind of have to look through that a little bit and see other aspects of his game and how you think that that projects. But overall, I think he'll be okay. It's just going to look a little different.
1: I I actually like um, how Baylor used him because I do think that sometimes they did let him be a screener and let him pop and let him roll. You know, it wasn't like... Uh, high volume because he's not, you know, necessarily a traditional big man. Right. Um, but I, I, mean, Baylor played so much similarly to, to last season, they played so much through their, um, through their guards that, mm-hmm. you know, guys like Brown and, and Suhan to, to actually be effective without, you know, either backdoor cutting or, or just standing in the corner, you know, they were going to have to get creative and, and be passers. And I, I think that Suhan, offers a lot of versatility at the next level with, you know, more spacing, more creative offenses, where I think he's going to be used as both like a screener and as a ball handler out of the pick and roll. Eventually. Um, You know, it's funny. I was, I went back and not only watched his his film from Baylor, but I also watched some of his um, his tape from Germany uh, and, and some of the FIBA stuff. And he was like a little leaner then. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was younger. So obviously you know, that typically happens That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's just uh science for, for all of you out there. And uh, he was like, uh, he looked like kind of shifty in certain circumstances. And, and he, there was a lot of like ball handling stuff that intrigued me. And um, I, I think that, you know, sometimes in college, you know, in a position like him as a freshman on it, on a team with some veteran guards, like, you know, your coach isn't going to let you go cook and, and do stuff. And and I think that at the NBA level, and look, as a rookie, he's probably not going to be allowed to just go out and do do stuff either necessarily um, depending on where he gets drafted, unless he goes to like a full on rebuilding team. That's just trying to like experiment and see what he can and can't do. And doesn't care about the result, just the process. I, I think there's some stuff there that is going to allow him to be a screener because he's huge as we, we mm-hmm. mentioned. And then, you know, Play out of the short role and and use his yeah. his passing that I think is an asset. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's Scotty Barnes. You know, as a as a passer, Scotty Barnes was was special and that was apparent. I think in his episode when we d- recorded it last cycle, Albert, I think I even said like he might be the best passer yeah. in the draft. You um, did. in in a draft with Cade Cunningham and Sharif Cooper, uh. I had some questions about whether he was going to be you know, allowed to fully use his passing, which has been answered by the genius of Messiah and the Toronto Raptors. But I, I don't think he's that, but I do think he's, he offers some intriguing versatility out of the pick and roll in the short roll, which is yeah. something that is a necessity for his position now. So Absolutely. Albert, um, you mentioned it. What was his passing?
0: Um. <clears throat> I specifically like the interior passing. Um, I really like that he would take his man on the block, smaller guy, bigger guy, whatever, take him down low and um, make some really good reads. Um, and I feel like, like I know that sometimes even for me, like I could be a little, uh, I, I can throw around like great pass or good pass or a little too easily at times just because mm-hmm. they throw like a couple nice passes. But Suhan, like you can feel it. There's an intelligence to him that I like a lot um i feel like he makes a lot of quick and accurate reads uh when wh- wherever he has the ball and i think the the point that you just made cory him being a guy that an nba team could eventually trust to make the right decisions out of the short roll is interesting because there were even a couple of times when he was on the opposite end where he would run the pick and roll with kendall brown and he made some really really nice passes and i'm like hey man that's good um <laughs> More of that, please. You know, I I really enjoyed that. I like like that. Yeah, yeah. The (laughs) passing with him, I was, like, really intrigued. You know, some of, like, the weak side passes he was throwing. But especially the interior passes, I thought, really savvy, really quick uh, decisions that aren't always going to be made by guys. Um, And actually, one thing, Corey, that I did want to say, I wanted to piggyback off what you said about his frame, that this kid is a giant kid. Um, I thought... Now, you guys may feel differently. I thought, he, uh, Stephen, you mentioned about him going to the rim and how you mm-hmm. had some concerns. But something that I noticed, and I may be in the minority here, but I felt like he took some really good angles going to the mm-hmm. basket. And I, I don't know if that's like savvy from playing with older dudes in Europe or whatever it is. But I thought he was really smart about leveraging his frame and his length and taking good angles and then finishing through contact or picking up fouls. Um, And then, you know, he would get like a layup or a foul or whatever. And then he would leverage that into making a really nice read the next possession or the next time he had the ball. So there's, there's a really nice nuance to his offensive game that once again, I'm never going to argue that I think he should be like a number one option, but there are nice little, nuances and levels to his game that I think if you're looking at him as a third fourth option on your team he can add a lot of value by doing a lot of different things well is kind of one of the overarching things that I have about Suhan um as a player so uh, in terms of the passing yeah I, I think some of the interior stuff was really good some of the weak side reads was really good even with the ball in his hands some of the live dribble uh, decisions he was making I liked so yeah sorry about the long rant but yeah
1: we like long rants here, Albert. We want detail. That's why you come here. So you listen to us ramble about one prospect for one <laughs> hour at a time. Yeah. And I I agree with you. I think he does take good angles. He's, like, crafty and smart. And, like, he just – he's one of those guys who, again, like, it, it's not sexy. It, it doesn't show yeah. up on the stat sheet all the time. But he's just doing intelligent things on the floor. Um, Steven, where are you at on Suhan as a passer?
2: I, I mean – I think anyone that likes Suhan, even those who don't, would probably still give him credit as like a as a good playmaker for his position, right? And that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier in my breakdown at the next level is I don't think that Baylor used him enough in those types of opportunities. But the but where we did see him operate in that space, he he showed that he's very effective at it. You know, I I think that he could even make more complex reads than a simple, you know, set a screen get the pass, take two dribbles and kick it to an open corner. I think that he could do a little bit more than that. And that's what you were talking about earlier, Corey. I, I would love to see him in maybe some four or five pick and roll action at the next level, depending mm-hmm. on the team that he goes to, or maybe an inverse like four, one pick and roll, you know, where they can run, you know, another flare screen off of that and find and have an open guy. And Sohan is the one, you know, giving him, giving him the basket. Right. So I like him as a playmaker. I, I think that is pretty simple. I actually want to talk a little bit more about the playmaking for a later segment because uh, I have something cool that I want to share with you guys. But uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, the playmaking that he does present at the next level.
1: Yeah, he's a good. He's going to be a good connector. The kids are calling him yes. these days. Mm. <laughs> you know, connective tissue piece. <laughs> Love the feel. Um, let's talk about the defense. Because I think that that's where his real value is at this point of of his um development and and what is so intriguing about him. uh, let's start with just his on ball defense where Where are you at with uh Suhan as an on ball defender albert
0: um, I like it a lot. Um, I think we've mentioned the frame and the length and guys, this is like a really niche thing. Maybe it's not a really niche thing. Maybe I'm a, like overdrawn. Um, get niche fan. with it, bro. Let's go. He is terrifying when he traps the ball. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you get caught on the sideline or in the corner, you're effed because Buhan <laughs> is in so the big, so strong and so long. Like, Even in that UNC game, there's this one where he trapped the dude in the corner and it was like, what is that guy supposed to do? It's over. It's absolutely over. And so that, you know, that's like a little thing with him that I really enjoy. Like the guy is really long, great frame. Um, I know whenever we talk about footwork, Metcalf is like, Metcalf doesn't like the guys who will like cross their feet and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like um, Suhan did that. I thought he did a really good job of staying in front of big guys, wings, guards. Um, Like even going against guards, like I thought he did a really good job of sometimes like he'll get beat, but he will recover really well because he has the length and like the know how stuff like that. I thought he was like a little jumpy at times Mm -hmm. uh, could fall for a good head fake once in a while. But no doubt. it's cool. He's he's a young guy. And I think, you know, he he'll clean that up. But if you're talking trajectory and potential and ceilings, um, I think defensively, there's so much to like because we just talked about him being like really versatile offensively and he can do different things. But I think de- defensively, too, there's a lot to like there simply because he's got the brain. He's got the length. He's got the frame. It's just a lot to like is what I'm trying to say
1: versatility is the name of the game with him for mm-hmm. sure on the defensive end uh, it's funny you mentioned he's a little jumpy because I have that verbatim in in my notes you know <laughs> you get the, you throw a pump fake at him especially out on the perimeter on a closeout closeouts he uh he's very upright yeah he's closing out you know he, he doesn't get low he doesn't necessarily have the choppy feet and that makes him prone to being able to get blown by uh on, on the perimeter so I do think he needs to clean that up As as a rebounder, similarly, I think he gets a little jumpy too. Instead of putting a body, sometimes you know he's a big body. He's he's long, so he does. He is a good rebounder, but I do think that you know uh, he was prone to, especially. I think in was it the UNC game I was watching that he gave up a few offensive rebounds just because Mm he he was a little jumpy. Um, But the versatility is crazy, man, because he's strong enough to bang in the post. He's big and long enough. And moves well enough that like you could use him as a drop big eventually when he plays some small ball five, which I think will happen. You've seen him guard the perimeter like red hot RJ Davis, and he's sticking with him, forcing him into a, a tough, tough three. Um so he could switch, he could he's scheme versatile. I think that, you know, the that's exactly what you want. And he's exactly the type of body and, and archetype that, like, every team is looking for. And um, if you can cover, you know, one through five consistently, you're going to find minutes on an NBA floor, and that's going to be really enticing to NBA teams. So I I am uh, pretty all the way in, in on Suhan, even if I, I, he's not very, like, quick twitchy, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. not going to be able to, like, He can make up for the fact that he isn't quick twitchy because he's long, you know, and recover, but he's certainly not one of those guys that can like, like if he gets all up in your shirt and he gets like blown by a little bit, like he'll recover with the speed. He's got to rely kind of on his instincts, his smarts and his length. Uh, Steven, talk to me about your thoughts on him as a defender.
2: Yeah, and just another quick little uh, you know, draft evaluation buzzword we can throw out there. He's very scalable. I, I, I like that he's super Ooh. scalable uh, defensively. So Maluable. I like him. Yeah, it's very malleable. Um, that's another <laughs> good one. I'll, uh, another one will come to me probably after the show, but that's all I got right now. Um, I like how scalable he is um, at the college level. Uh, Baylor runs him at the five a lot. And that's where you see that jumpiness, right? Because although he is, you know, six eight, six nine, depending on who's measuring him that day, um, if he's going up a bit uh, against a bigger guy, because he doesn't have, you know, that vertical pop, he's not uh, super quick, twitchy. Uh, he doesn't have a great second jump either, which is where I think that he gets in trouble with giving up those, you know, second chance points and things like that. That's where you're going to see the jumpiness is when he's going up against a larger guy. So I think him being able to play the five at the next level is going to be kind of matchup dependent. Uh, As far as like ones and twos go, I don't think that he's going to be able to stay with most ones at the next level. But I will give him probably a range of like two and a half to four and a half, because it's, it's truly difficult for anybody at the next level to cover one through five all the time. Like it's just it's supremely hard. It's going to be matchup dependent. And another area of his game, and he's super young and he can clean this up. And I think, you know, when he gets to the NBA, better coaching, what have you, uh, not that he's got a poor coach now, but, you know, more consistent professional level coaching. I His his help defense and switching, sometimes he gets a little confused as to who he should go to. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that he struggled with in particular against UNC when he and uh, you know, uh, Thomba were. They had some miscommunications, especially at, you know after timeouts, uh, inbounds plays, things like that. But ultimately, defensively, you know those long arms, he'll swallow somebody up, and it's very enticing. And that's something that I'm glad that Albert touched on was you know when he traps, you're you're absolutely toast, you're you're done, uh, effed as I think he said. Um, but I do like him as a defender. I, I think that he projects well at the next level to defend a lot of different positions.
0: Can I ask you guys a question? Um, because I want to know if it's just me who felt this way. Um, when he was guarding the weeks, actually, I'm going to need Corey to explain this to me because, um, he's our resident, um, coach here. So, you know, that thing, Corey, when you're defending on the weak side and you're like, like, let's say on the weak side, there are two shooters, like one in the corner, one kind of like on the wing. And like, as a defender, you have one guy kind of like in between them. Is there like a splitting? Okay. I thought he was really good at that. I saw some possessions, and I was like, oh, sh- like, shit, like, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> his, head, his head was, like, kind of, like, whizzing around, like, really trying to, like, stay in between, like, his, his body even. You know, like, they do that, like, really active shaking thing. And, like, he was, like, really engaged and, like, trying to stay in between those two guys. And then there was one where, on the strong side, the guard, like, did, like, a jump pass, and it was, like, a terrible pass. And Suhan just read that. In between the two guys that he was trying to like splitting between whatever, he just ripped a great steal, and I was like, "Oh, this freaking dope!" Like I really enjoyed that, <laughs> so wanted to ask you guys what you guys thought about that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's it's funny because basketball is like so complex and difficult, but it's also like unbelievably easy. But it's, like, it's one of those things where, like, it has to click for it to get, you know, before it becomes easy. And one of the most difficult things for young kids to figure out is, like, splitting the difference on the weak side and, like, staying home underneath the hoop. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're, like, on the weak side, if you're the corner guy, right? And, like, in the NBA, that sets up the X out where, you know, if the ball skips to the weak side, um that guy splitting the difference will take wherever the ball went and the guy under the hoop will x out to the other guy whether it's the corner or or the wing right and i think that suhan's perfect for being able to do that i think he's perfect for being able to pre-switch because i think that he's a guy that relies a lot on his iq and his intelligence and you know you add in the size and the feel on the defensive end and i think that like I said, like the, the versatility goes beyond just being able to switch. It's, it's knowing the schemes and being able to play in multiple schemes. And I, I, that's what is uh, so intriguing about him to me um, as a defender. Cause I think that, you know, he's got potentially the whole package. Now, again, like sometimes on those skips where he's closing out, he's a little upright and he's a little jumpy. So it's not like yep. he's perfect there, but just as a positioning from that perspective. Yeah. That's like way harder to have a prospect kind of understand than like hey, mm-hmm. chop your feet on on that closeout or you know, close out shorter so you're not flying into the stands. It yeah. that stuff's easy. The 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 positioning and stuff is a little bit harder and I maybe it's cuz of his weird upbringing, right? Like born in the states, moved to the UK, played in Germany you know, mm-hmm. played for the Polish national team. I mean, like he's all over the place. He's getting all these opportunities to play like basketball and, and learn at higher levels. So uh, maybe there's something to that, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm in on it.
2: Yeah. And I think that the struggles that I'm seeing now and the ones that I touched on just to be, you know, try to give like the entire picture, I think it is definitely something that he can clean up. Right. And mm-hmm. I think too, that, again, at the professional level, some of that switching, especially on the sidelines, like you're going to be going up against coaches who make a killing just from calling timeouts and running the perfect play. And I think that just from getting reps and and understanding those formations and sets you know, that the easy part, right, that Corey is talking about is the schematics, but the hard parts, the execution and timing mm-hmm. um, paired mm-hmm. with athleticism at the, at the next level. So I agree. I think that right now he is already such a phenomenal defender in the areas that I have a little bit concerns about. I have no doubt that he's going to be able to sharpen those up. Got it. I
1: and mean, he's so young. You know, right. and that's one of the things Very young. You're you're betting on it's uh it, I you know, it's one of the reasons, you know, I think I personally have him above a guy like Eason. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, and and Eason, I look I, this dude was unbelievably productive. Probably could have been even more productive if he was playing more minutes um just had monster advanced stats i mean had an impact on winning it's not like they were empty stats or anything uh but you know he is a little bit older for his age group and you know Mm -hmm. we don't discriminate against age here we love players that of, of all ages all shapes all sizes but he's so young still 18 um gonna be you know barely 19 on on draft night so I'm going to ask you, Stephen, what NBA team do you think that Jeremy Suhan gives you the best ROI?
2: Okay, so I nerded out a little bit on this because I was super excited to be on the show, and I really want to do a good job. So what I did was uh, I looked at our composite board first, and I saw that we mocked him 14th. And then I went to Tankathon and went through a lottery simulator. I only did it once. I didn't go crazy. But teams that rank 12 through 16, who I think would be in the ballpark of where he could get drafted, are New York, Atlanta, Charlotte, Oklahoma City, and Houston. Of those teams, I like Charlotte, right? And despite that, I think that we all agree that they need a center. I like the defensive uh, punch that he'll bring to this team, something that they desperately need. They need someone with a defensive identity. He gives them the opportunity to run some more versatile lineups where we could see him as a small ball five. Again, you know he can guard two and a half to four and a half, in my opinion, depending on the matchup. He shores up their rotation because we know that Gordon Hayward has injury history, and he's not necessarily the most reliable guy. So, in my opinion, he'd be like a perfect backup for him if he is injured or if, for whatever reason, he he starts his play starts deteriorating. You have a guy already uh, waiting in the wings there. I like him with pick and rolls and pick and pops with with ball. I think that that would be terrifying. And I think, although I do understand the value of centers and I will advocate for centers as much as anybody, I do think that it's more difficult to find a Jeremy Sohan type player later in the draft. And it would be at like, say, 39, which is where Tankathon had uh, the second round pick for Charlotte, where based on where we have guys, you could get a a Christian Coloco and Ishmael Kamikate, a Travion Williams, a Jalen Williams, you know, again, based on our composite board. So. I think if a Charlotte went and drafted a Jeremy Sohan and was able to get one of those aforementioned centers, I like that fit a lot out of the the teams that are kind of in that range, I think, to draft a uh, Jeremy Sohan.
1: it You know, it's funny. Charlotte's going to be one of those teams, kind of like Denver, where it's, it's kind of hard to be like, this guy doesn't fit with LaMelo Ball.
2: Right. That's kind of the
1: benefit of getting a player who can kind of <laughs> create at a... Uh, I I I don't even have a vocabulary word the the kind of level that the exponential yeah the the creativity and just the the way that he can connect everything together you know that's what makes Lamelo so much fun. Uh, Albert, Mm -hmm. what team will give you the best return on investment?
0: Uh, I think in due to recent history, I'm supposed to hate this team, but the Atlanta Hawks would be my (laughs) choice. <laughs> um, I I would like to see him play for the Hawks because I'm imagining maybe they eventually like finally move on from John Collins, and then you have Okongu there with um with Hunter, uh, Herder, Jalen Johnson, yeah. Um, you know how I feel about Jalen Johnson, but fine, Probably. I'll put him in there. Mini, Jalen mini Johnson. LeBron, right?
2: Isn't that, that the I'm... same
1: way as, as Nate McMillan? Apparently, is how you feel about. It.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Real, yeah. Um, but like, I I like that. I like that wing rotation, and obviously, they've struggled defensively all season long. So hopefully, Suhan gets in there, and he's like versatile and doing like all kinds of stuff for them on both both ends of the of the court. And then you have this like young freaking fun front court and then you have like herder coming in to shoot threes and you've got bogdanovich and you've got a lot going on and hopefully one day man sharif cooper becomes that backup point guard who gets a good chunk of minutes and he's mm-hmm. creating and doing stuff fun stuff so um yeah once again like i i'm supposed to say like f trey young every time i have an opportunity right but <laughs> you're free um Do it. I, I i i fuck I, that guy yeah i yeah but Suhan seems like the right choice here. (laughs) (laughs) I like Suhan on the Hawks, man, as much as I I am supposed to hate that that team. And uh, I'm going to go with a 13.
1: I'm going to go with the New York Knicks.
0: Okay. Thank you. I I didn't want to say it.
1: Here's the thing. I know that the Knicks' plate has been point guard. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. But you know what else the Knicks need? Versatile players. That's right. The Knicks don't have a ton of switchy, versatile guys. They just don't, mm-hmm. and they don't have many, you know, switchy, versatile wings. They traded for Cam Reddish, so I guess you can count him as one of those type of players, but Cam Reddish has not been the beacon of consistency since he's left high school. He has, since yeah. His, yeah. his time spent in college at Duke, he has been this guy that is hot and cold, and you don't know what you're going to get for him i love his defense i love the flashes but who knows you might only get flashes out of him for his whole career you That's might nice. want somebody steady i think it's one of the reasons that tibbs rides taj so much because taj is besides being a veteran who knows what he's doing on the floor most mm. of the time like he could play and power is it adopted powered...
2: son of tibbs
1: correct you know tibbs <laughs> is very loyal i i I bet Jimmy Butler and Tibbs were texting uh, last night about, you know, how how much of a douche uh, (laughs) a spulter is. Um, But I think that's why he bribes Taj Gibson because Taj knows how to play with Mitchell Robinson. He knows how to play with Obi. He knows how to play with Julius Randle. You can slot him in anywhere. Outside of like RJ Barrett, how many like multi-position players do you have? I guess Alec Burks this year because he's playing point guard, but like there's just not a lot of guys, God. you know, that can go up and down the lineup. And the Knicks don't have any of those kind of wings that I think you need in the modern NBA. Now, I, I do think that Julius <sighs> Randle makes it a little bit difficult for uh, that to happen because I don't think he's proven he could play the five much. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the Knicks need a guy like Jeremy Suhan who, especially this year, you see the defense struggle a little bit, help out with the defense, doesn't need the ball, isn't going to take it away from RJ. You know, not the cleanest fit as a floor spacer, but right. you know, you got Quentin Grimes. You got the all-time New York Knicks three-pointer uh, leader in Evan Fournier. So oh, yeah. I, I think that a guy like Jeremy Suhan is somebody that the Knicks, if they're in position to, I think he would be a good target.
0: I mean if I if I can Corey just um you know being the resident Nick fan I I do want to follow up that by saying I love it because look at what's happened to our defenses here who did we lose defensively that's causing a lot of trouble for us it's not because Nerlens Noel is hurt or you can't blame this on Mitchell Robinson. It's because we lost Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock, Reggie Bullock was mm-hmm. our number one perimeter defender at six seven six eight with his length and what he was. I mean, also he was a smart defender. I know people are—he uh, was a three-point shooter, or whatever. Like his shooting was an added bonus, but his main thing was he was our best perimeter defender, and we lost that. And we traded that for Fournier, and I love Fournier. I actually like Fournier a lot, but Fournier is not a defender. I, I think he just kind of punts that side of the ball at times. It's um, bad. It's very it's, bad. It's really bad at times. Like some, some of the crap he does. It's like, okay, Detrimental. cool. It is. It <laughs> is. And adding Suhan to be a worse. multi- Right. Suhan being a multi-positional <laughs> defender would help this team a lot. So I I love it, Corey. I'm still – I was talking to my boy Josh Bice last, last night. Shout out Josh The Bice. The miracle. Shout out Josh Bice. The miracle f- we're praying for.
1: That feast you guys were eating, man. I've seen him,
0: uh, <laughs> That That was legit. Yeah. Yeah, we, we live for the IG, right? Um, but, but we're still praying for an Ivy miracle that we somehow the balls, the frozen balls, you no, know, no more frozen <laughs> envelopes, but the frozen balls go the right way and we end up in the top three or four and we get Ivy. But Suhan would be a nice consolation.
1: Look, keep that Ivy dream alive. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not going to secret it, put it out into the universe and manifest. Let's go. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Yeah anyway he'd be electric at the garden albert it's that time mm. i want you to sell me this pen on jeremy suhan all
0: right here we go um first off this uh, this segment is brought to you by a sponsor one day is uh, where we're at right <laughs> now um, <laughs> we don't have a pen sponsor yet but pilot <laughs> bic sharpie you guys are all listening Step you could up. be sponsoring don't, this segment don't be afraid Don't be afraid, okay? This is a great segment that we do. But anyway, okay, I'm going to sell you this pen. I'm going to sell you – you know what pen I'm going to sell you right now, Corey? Remember when we were in school, there was the white top, blue bottom pen where you can click the green or the red or the blue or the black, right? Jeremy Sohan is that pen. It's not the best freaking pen, right? You want Mm -hmm. the best writing feel, whatever. You'll go with an Atlantis pen or you're going to go with the fine point Sharpie or a Pilot or a Dr. Grip, right? But that little white and blue pen is very important to keep with you in your pencil case because that fool, you can write in different colors, in blue, Mm. and red, whatever, all these different colors. Jeremy Suhan is exactly that for an NBA team. It's not going to be your first choice pen, but you're going to need a pen who can do a lot of different things at once. Right And is effective enough where, hey, if you just need a black pen, you can even use that pen just to write in black. right Jeremy Suhan is going to defend for you. He's going to defend multiple positions. Offensively, he's going to do stuff for you where hopefully his shooting continues to develop. He's going to be a screener for you, a roller for you. He can even be small ball five, just stand in the dunker spot. We saw him do that for Baylor, too. Got a lot of easy dunks at the rim just standing around in the dunker spot. He's a guy who brings a lot of versatility to your team, but isn't gonna be your number one. So that is the pen that I'm trying to sell you today.
1: Let's go. You can grade papers with it. Hell yeah. yeah. You can Hell yeah. you know, you can color the drawings on the back of the, the binder in it.
2: You can trace your hand with it. I'm a big fan of hand turkeys, you know.
1: <laughs> There's so many things. Very versatile.
2: <laughs> Superman logos,
0: different colors. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: yes. The classic. And it and it's an S. What a perfect. Fitting oh, for Sohan. Wow. Sohan. After Amazing. Sohan. All right, Stephen, we gave you an assignment. If you're buying yes, stock in Jeremy Suhan, who may you have bought stock in previously?
2: And just to continue the nerdy trajectory that I went on for for preparations and coming onto the show, I want to open with a query that I ran on Bartorvic. So, Sohan is one of two freshmen in the Bartorvic database, and this dates all the way back to 2008. Who has a box plus minus of greater than or equal to seven, an offensive rating of greater than or equal to 100, a defensive rating of less than or equal to 90, a usage rating of greater than or equal to 20, an assist percentage of greater than or equal to 10, a defensive rebounding percentage of greater than or equal to 20, a block percentage of greater than or equal to three, and a steal percentage of greater than or equal to two. One of only two freshmen to ever do that. The other, Terrence Jones of the University of Kentucky. <laughs> so just to set everyone, just to set everyone's hopes super duper high, but hey, I mean, the, the man made it in the league and he played for a long time. Uh, not here to slight Terrence Jones. With that out of the way, I thought that that would be a great lead in. I see shades of, and I, I'm not like super big in the comps, but I think that it's useful sometimes whenever you're looking to see like how this guy could fit uh, sure. on a on a team and there's two players that I see shades of and one of them I think we've seen perpetuated out a lot is Boris Diaw. the other one that I came up with that I'm super proud of that I just I can't wait for y'all's response and I'm stalling on purpose Andre Kirilenko of the Utah Jazz I oh, think man. is is a is a very interesting comp a guy who is projected to be a big wing could also give you minutes at other front court positions he ended up being a reliable three point shooter, but wasn't initially and a tremendous, versatile, scalable uh, defender on multiple frontcourt positions. So and also not a bad playmaker either. Right. So I think that Andre Karolinko, Boris Diao kind of love child is what I imagine Jeremy Sohan being.
1: Well done. Very mm, well. Thank done, you. <laughs> an interesting not job. Terrence Jones. I you know I really thought that based on that, I was like, oh, what is he gonna say? Like Zion or something?
2: <laughs> right. Terrence Jones. You had me on the edge. Very of good life. college player.
0: <laughs> Albert. <laughs> I con. can't recover from the Terrence Jones like we. He read he just like banged out like nine different stats, 12 different stats, and it led to Jones. Respect to you, Steven. You came ready hey, to rock, man. I love it. I, okay, I'm so excited for, to be here, guys. <laughs> for me, for me, you guys are not gonna love this one. This is a guy <laughs> that um did i I steal your terrence jones stunner were you coming in with that no no. my comps are generally weird i finally found somebody on twitter that actually likes my comps Uh, i actually forgot your name sir but i'm so sorry i think he's like a professor somewhere but he likes my comps and i was like dude that i I vibe with you bro but anyway um, is it no no actually it is a former nick (laughs) (laughs) beautiful i believe I believe that this player was way ahead of his time He wasn't coached properly Um, He didn't know what the NBA was going to turn into Um, I believe that if he played now His shooting would have He really would have worked on his shooting And been a better shooter I think if he ate more food He would have been a bigger man as well Just like physically in terms of frame Uh, Please don't kill me for this one But I thought A much better Beefier Jared Jeffries Was where my mind went (laughs) Okay Um, (laughs) okay hear me out hear me out jared jeffries was a guy he had
1: the one he did
0: i really thought that like jared jeffries if he was born a little bit later and just like did the right nutritional stuff and worked on shooting more like i really enjoyed jared jeffries as a defender like he had no problem guarding guards He was a really versatile defender he could pass a little bit there were like little things that jared jeffries did on the floor i know like every nick fan is going to probably want to crucify me for this because he didn't have a great knicks career but even on the knicks i was like yeah come on jared give me a little bit more i enjoyed it i didn't hate it so i'm thinking like really good really, really good, like 1% outcome Jared Jeffries is kind of where my head went. So, um, that's that.
2: Is that better than Terrence Jones?
0: <laughs> I have no idea. Yes?
1: <laughs> okay. Question mark? I, don't know. <laughs> I I see where you're going with that. I see where you're going with that. I think I went a little bit more on the nose. <laughs> kind of a little <laughs> more modern. <laughs> Definitely shades of not one to one. There are certainly some uh, some differences. I went with uh, like Patrick Williams mixed uh, okay. with with Pat Smear, which is a joke that's probably reserved for myself and uh, Kyle Mann. Uh, Pat Smear <laughs> is uh, one of the legendary guitarists of of the Germs uh, and of Nirvana fame. Maybe you've heard of them, um, yeah. based on his his cool punk rock tattoos and hair. But if you look at the circumstance of Jeremy Suhan, you look at the Mm -hmm. circumstance of Patrick Williams in college, and then you go back and you look at the minutes played, the numbers, they're very similar. All the way down to Patrick Williams was a 32% three-point shooter in college. And now you look at him and you feel pretty comfortable when he lets it fly. The difference, Patrick Williams was also a good free-throw shooter in college. So there was more, I think, to, uh, you know, project forward as a shooter but patrick williams wasn't one of these really flashy guys coming into the draft that's why it was kind of a surprise that he had he ended up going fourth when he did you know obviously there was that buzz that detroit really wanted him at seven and then you know a couple of days leading up to the draft it was like oh uh, he might go you know top five but previous to that he was thought of as kind of a back-end lottery guy you know, he, yep. he didn't have that buzz because he has he has a very quiet game, a very quiet demeanor. That's kind of why people compared him to Kawhi. Um, he would every now and then he bust out like a little like mid range combo move that made you go, "The fuck was that? That was amazing!" <laughs> right. But he didn't do it consistently enough, and that's how I feel every time I watch uh, our pal Jeremy bust out one of his little spin moves into uh, either a finish or a, like a midi. So. I I think like from he's he's almost a little under the radar, even though he's getting some love. And I know that, you know, especially when you're following the draft the whole cycle, like you start to see the consensus. And when you see the consensus, it starts feeling like, oh well, there's no way that AJ Griffin doesn't go in the five to seven range. There's no way that Keegan Murray doesn't go top five now. There's no way that you know, Benedict Matherin doesn't go, you know, top number 10, one. And, you know, and then draft night happens and, you know, Josh Giddy goes number six to OKC and everyone's like, whoa, or Josh Primo goes in the lottery and just weird stuff happens. Right. I think Suhan's going to be that guy. I think not only mm. is he going to be in the top 10, I think a team's going to get him in. I think his, his jumper, like if he gets hot in a workout, A team is going to look at his experience, his build, his fit in the modern NBA, and they're going to be like, I'm fucking taking this kid at seven. And I I think he's going high. I just, I, he's, he's one of those dudes that I think is going to be the guy who surprises. He's going to have like, he's going to have a fucking dope draft fit with cool, like pink hair. And Mm. all of a sudden, we're going to be like, he's going to be a star now. And that's that's kind of why I'm going with the Pat Williams. I think he's on that kind of trajectory.
0: Corey, then can I give you one more comp from last year that I think makes a lot of sense with everything that you just said?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Franz Wagner. I think yeah. Franz Wagner worth is worth being in that discussion too. Wagner really, really, really versatile defensively, right? And he, he kind of came in ready to play on an NBA level mentally, right? Knew the game, felt the game. Obviously had a he's different freshman experience. Yeah. God, international experience, right? Had a different experience in college than Suhan did, but mm-hmm. I, I, I could, I think, I mean, Wagner went eighth last year, right? So I could see that happening with, uh, with Suhan too. So yeah, that, that's another one, I think.
1: I think it's a good call. And it's also uh, a good reason not to overreact to the uh, NCAA tournament when uh, so another somebody, thing, yeah. somebody goes out on a, a bad performance. And I don't think Suhan did, uh, by the way, I think, you know, even no. though he didn't, he didn't shoot the ball, particularly well he was very impactful and a big reason why baylor even made that that comeback um but just for some of our other friends like keegan murray uh maybe a you know chet you know some of these guys who you're you're looking at and going well they didn't really show out it's fine look at the full body all right well as we did it yes sir an hour on jeremy (sighs) suhan And I had a lot of fun. Steven, thank you for for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks, y'all, for having me, man. This was fun. I'm glad to get to make my debut. I would like to think that we all learned a little bit of something, whether or not it was about Jared Jeffries, Terrence Jones, you know, Andre Karolinko. It doesn't matter. We all learned a little bit of something here today. Um, Again, I I had a lot of fun. You know, hopefully hopefully I earned my keep, and I will make another appearance somewhere down the line. But, you know, I appreciate y'all rocking with me today.
1: Yeah, you know what? We have like 54 members of No Ceilings now. So you, right. know, you, you now get Do we lose a couple? You get put. <laughs> you get sent to the back of the queue. So you'll be on probably in like 2024 at this uh, point. This two the, seasons, as many yeah. Guys okay. Uh, That's but okay. You'll, def- you'll definitely be back. Tell uh, our listeners where they can find your, your work and your social media. They can follow you.
2: Yeah, so if you want to follow me, you can do so on Twitter. Um, that's where I'm most active, at Steven G. Hoops. So that's Steven with the uh, G Hoops. You can listen to me co-host the Draft Deeper podcast now with a good friend of all of us here, Nathan Grubel. Uh, just started co-hosting with him like last week, like pretty much as soon as I joined No Ceilings, I started co-hosting with Nathan. And then I have some written work, um, you know, whether it's collaborative with everybody on the team or the the one piece of the uh, weekend warrior that I debuted that's on noceilingsmba.com and uh yeah that's pretty much it
1: love it let's go been awesome yes, having sir. you on the team albert where can the people find you
0: uh, <clears throat> uh you guys can find me at alberto gim um is my handle on twitter also at GTGNBA. um i guess that's like my burner i guess i have no idea uh but <laughs> i do want to say dude having steven on today means a lot to me because steven is the only human being who asked me to be on his pod um but when he wasn't a part of No Ceilings, i that's the only time I've ever been like a a, a guest on a pod. So and you insulted uh, really, me within like the first minute of being <laughs> on the show. So I really appreciate appreciate the, the kind return no, that I got. No, you guys have to know it like st- being on Steven's show back when you were doing Draft Capital. I really actually had a great time on that pod, and it was really awesome. And Steven's a great host, and he's killing it now with Nathan with Draft Deeper and with us and No Ceilings. So I did want to give you a proper shout out with that. Um it, do you want to also let you guys know, of course. And I also want to let you guys know I'm working on a piece finally uh for next next week. I haven't written in a while, but I'm gonna be writing about Dale and Terry, um my love affair oh, with Oh, man and Terry, oh, yeah. and, oh um, boy. I know today K- KOC was on the Racillo pod and uh <laughs> Racillo was like, Hey, like, am I crazy for liking this Terry kid? And he's like, he's cool. Terry's KOC cool. Like, he's cool. <laughs> and I was like, damn fool. Like, that's not right. <laughs> like Dale and Terry is not just cool. This kid is freaking awesome. So ice cold. Um, Yeah. He so gotta, guys, gotta if you
1: give KOC, man, he's, you know, he's coming out it. with, like, first-round big boards. Like, you know, the, us in the draft world, we've been doing this for, for no, months right. and months and months. He's been on his NBA grind. He's just getting into the yeah. draft. You know, he's just yeah, getting I get into it. it.
0: I, I get it. That was it. me and last so, year. So my place in the world right now is to shine some light on Dale and Terry. I feel like that's kind of been my one of my roles with Nick. Nick's done it a lot more than I have for our site, but just finding weirdos and talking about them. So I'll be talking about Terry because I love this dude.
1: I can't wait to read that. He's one of the more intriguing guys. I love him so much. Like uh, he's a name that not a lot of people have been talking about, but he could be one of those sneaky, like lottery guys <laughs> at the end of this whole process, mm-hmm. which is uh, amazing. So um, I'm excited to read that. Uh, you could find, you know, my written work noceilingsnba dot We just released the draft rankings, top 55, the stock update um for the consensus uh top 55 around the worldwide web based on you know all the bit different big boards from the mainstream outlets including no ceilings so you know even though at no ceilings we collaborate on our big board which is you know 10 people deep which gives us you know it takes away any personal bias we may have with certain prospects you know adding some of these other outlets gives a real clear picture of of how the internet at large is perceiving um these guys. So I uh, I think that it's a valuable thing to to check out if you're into rankings. And um you know, if like subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating if you haven't yet. That would be dope as fuck or don't, you know, it's up to you. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, but if you're listening still as we ramble on for an hour and 10 minutes <laughs> and you haven't done that yet, yeah, why not? You you've been here. Make it worth your right? while. That's what I'm saying. Love us. Uh, get your get your money's worth here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you can follow me on twitter at Corey tulliba and uh we got big things coming at no ceilings so at no ceilings <laughs> nba follow the whole crew you're gonna see a bunch of ridiculous memes uh, made by the the minister of memes tyler rucker himself um as we flow into this draft process as, <laughs> as march Madness comes to an end um that's it guys we're done rambling we out peace <laughs>